Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. This is for the week ending, or maybe it's starting Friday, May 15th, 2022. Eric Holmes, aka, what is it? Please, Eric? Please, Eric? What is Pleasure-ic. that? Pleasure-ic. <laughs> Pleasure-ic. Pleasure-ic. Oh, that is, that is a reference to a movie we're covering this week. Let's not. Yeah, it's called Pleasure. Pleasure. And then we have Corpus. Corpus Brewsty. Corpus Brewsty. And that is, yes, Corpus Brewsty. Are you getting religious on us? Do you have a Corpus Christi? Are you thinking of Corpus Christi? Are you thinking of the cross? Are you thinking of religion this week? Are you spiritual, Bruce? What are you this week? I'm just waiting for you, the donations to pour in from you guys. So just, you know, slide under the door. (laughs) I'm all right. Or yes. you can confess to me. That's okay, too. You can make confessions. Yes. If we get donations, Eric Holmes, to find your films from, from our listeners, do you think all of that should be funneled to Father Bruce Perky? All of the monies should be given to him and his and his parishioners? Yes. Um, in fact, uh, <laughs> Greg, you can add yes, to sir. the donations if you like, because there's still this bright, shiny quarter that I bet that you will like the scary of 61st, but we don't know oh, if you do or not. I haven't gotten it back. The consensus seems to uh, suggest that you won't, but I think you will. Oh, the scary! You will. The scary of sixty first. By the way, let's do a little quick recap. Eric Holmes, your rating on the scary of sixty first currently streaming on Shutter, available on Blu-ray via Vinegar Syndrome. What is it? What is the rating, Eric Holmes? That's a, that's a six point nine star banger. But for everyone else, it seems to be a one. Which <laughs> I also kind of I kind of expected that, but not from you, Bruce. Right now oh, you, Greg. <laughs> a bright, shiny quarter says at, otherwise. At two, Bruce Perky, quick recap on the scary of 61st. Can it, I, I believe you gave it, might, you might have given it two stars, Bruce. Am I correct on this? I, you know, I don't remember. I thought I gave it less than two stars, but I'll look it up as, as we're speaking here. The scary of 61st, I gave exactly, hmm. uh, exactly. Five stars. Moving on now. One star. <laughs> <laughs> one star. I actually upscaled. Okay. Well, again, to recap, double recap, I have a, we have a quarter bet. I have a quarter bet saying that I'm not going to enjoy the scary of 61st. But Eric Holmes believes, for some reason, this movie is crazy enough for me to absolutely love. We have a bet of a quarter. Again, the scary 61st, if you want to play along, currently available as a Blu-ray or maybe even a DVD, basically a physical media on Vinegar Syndrome. And also, if you want to actually go to a, a very one of Bruce Perky's, if not maybe Bruce Perky's favorite streaming service, Shudder. It's available on Shudder. Bruce, am I inaccurate regarding Shutter being your favorite streaming service, or maybe at at the very worst, one of your favorites? Uh, it's probably my favorite, especially for the price, which it's it's the best bang for your buck. Uh, I guess that would be what we're <laughs> using today. Oh, I also want to re- go back and, and circle back around just right. to make sure that you've been properly preparing yourself for that double recap. Are you ready for that? Uh, yes, we're okay. we're going to be doing a double okay. recap. We're gonna, there's Bruce double entendre Perky is at, at pretty much at at peak performance at this podcast because we're going to be because we're all twelve by the way. We're going to actually Eric. Are you going to be the most mature out of us three regarding when we cover one of these movies this week? Are you going to be mature and sophisticated, unlike me and Bruce? Oh, that's a tall order, dude. I will try very hard. <laughs> we'll try very hard, but no promises. I don't know it's if like, tall telling telling Eric like, watch this movie. Now you've got to be really professional. I guess. <laughs> you may as well hold you may as well hold like a, a cracker with peanut butter in front of a dog and say, No, don't eat it. Yeah. Do not eat this. And I'll just go <laughs> Okay, we'll eat it. I just want to say we're gonna cover yeah, three movies. Anyway. <laughs> You'll eat it anyway. I love peanut butter. We're covering three movies this week. Our father, currently, as we're recording, it's streaming on Netflix. I have not seen it. Bruce and Eric have they've both seen it. 
we're going to see the aforementioned film Pleasure, which, you know, jokes aside, this is a very interesting movie that we're going to cover Pleasure. OK, and it's it's one of these things. There's a, a big barrier to entry to this movie. And I can't wait till we talk about that. And then there's another horror, another horror movie. How we, we be, I think we're on a roll. Like it seems like every week we cover a horror thriller. This from IFC Films. Once again, it's called The Innocence. Before we get to any of these three movies, Bruce Perky, I want you to get on your soapbox. This is oh, one yeah. of the things that <laughs> that got your gourd earlier in the week. Can you tell our listeners what's something that you want to get off your chest? I mean, for the last how many weeks, guys, have I been like chiming in as we've been watching screeners and been like, oh, yep, there's another dead animal. Oh, oh, another animal's getting hurt. Yes. I mean, week in the box, cannibal holocaust. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay. I know that sometimes some of these movies are really good and they, but I'm just tired. It's so, it's so cheap. It's like, it's becoming a trope again. I guess it's been a trope enough that they have like, does the dog die? I think is the side or something like that where you can find out if, animals in movies are going to die but lately they've just been putting lots of animals in movies just to have them die and it's just cheap and i want them to stop doing that so so i'll give you your marvel movies if you'll just stop killing all the animals in the other movies how's that i'll let you have them you can have them for a little bruce, bit longer bruce to annoy, <laughs> bruce to annoyingly play devil's advocate what if said filmmaker or screenwriter would say bruce I know uh, you, whether you love my movie or not, it's part of the story. Do you think that's a cop-out regard? Or do you think these stories can continue without the, this blatant animal cruelty? I mean, every so often it is, it works, but sometimes it doesn't have to be that. And I think that uh, we have one today where I think it makes absolute sense that it was in there, but there was enough other stuff in there that we didn't necessarily have to have it. And it it's it's like... The same way you show a kitten or a dog to get the cheap, like, oh, isn't it cute? It's also the same way, oh, how terrible are you? You killed an animal or you kicked an animal or whatever. So, like the other movie we watched a little while back, I forget what it was called, where everyone stood around like the U2 cover, Joshua Tree, and then that one woman like poured hot stuff on a dog. I was like, well, why? Why are we doing this? That movie that you're mentioning is a film that I absolutely love called The Girl and the Spider in defense of your assertion or assertion regarding pouring the cup of hot coffee. This woman pours a a little some drops of hot coffee on i think a, a dog absolutely as much as I, I gave that five stars that moment was absolutely unnecessary i think that's the movie that we're covering here that scene was necessary but maybe also unnecessary anyways i i, I pretty much agree eric holmes do you agree regarding the level of animal cruelty we've been seeing the last several weeks has well, it been a little bit too much for you what do you think when he said uh, pouring the hot coffee on the dog, I was like, it wasn't a dog. That was this. Oh, wait, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. No, I don't agree. I believe that more animals should be tortured and maimed on screen um, <laughs> as a lifelong meat eater. Uh, it would be hypocritical of me to say otherwise. So, wow. All yes. torturing animals all the time. No, and but that, I, that I, I think he's whip. got a point. I think he's got a point. If it's like, uh, hey, you know, just going to kill a kill an animal like granted they don't actually kill them they're killed within the context of the movie not sure i don't think they're milo and noticing it um look that up but uh if they're doing that then yeah probably don't do that but uh you know it, it's one of those tropey things like after a while it's like okay we we've seen enough of this let's move on and, you know, once they move on from that, it'll be something else like, okay, the 30 minute cold open was cool. The first 20 <laughs> times you've yeah. seen it, let's pump the brakes on the 30 minute cold open. Maybe push yeah. it to 45 minutes. Well, you know what? Yeah. The, we would love to hear what you guys think about 
do you guys, fellow cinephiles, are you offended by whenever there's a, a scene with an animal in grave danger or abused or used as a plot device in a film? Hit us up at info at findyourfilms.com, our email. Tell us what you think or just comment. Join us on our Cinematics Facebook group and tell us what you think about this topic, which really got Bruce's gourd and got him a little bit mad the last several weeks. And I think, to be honest, no joking aside, rightfully so. Speaking of Bruce Perky one more time, oh, a couple more times. The last couple of weeks, Bruce, can you tell our listeners, viewers, what have you been working hard on as a side to, to actually put on our findyourfilms.com site, but Greg freaking Srizavasi does not do his job and keeps the content locked away by in some vault. What what are people missing out on the last two weeks? What can we expect from you? Uh, silly sa- shadow projects, I guess you'd say. Uh, I'm going to try to do some little mini reviews, and Eric and I might even do one just solo duo together. But we're going to probably start producing a little bit of side content just to give you more reviews, more stuff during the week outside of just the regular podcast. Uh, and I've also been doing this weird thing, kind of inspired by Andrew Martin, because Andrew Martin, lately, when he does his reviews, first he gives his impression, he reads the IMDb synopsis, and then he says, I think I what this movie might be about. And then he watches the trailer, and he tells, now I think it's going to be about this. And then he goes and sees the movie, and then he does his review. And I'm going to do kind of a, a, a sillier version of that that'll only be about maybe three to five minutes long, where every so often I'll get a, a screener from Greg that I know nothing about. I don't know the synopsis. I don't know the trailer. I don't know the poster. I know nothing. If I know nothing, <laughs> like Schultz in Hogan's Heroes, I will um, go in there and say, thank you, old people, for laughing along with that one. I'm old. No <laughs> laughter from Eric. That means he's younger, Bruce. He is. I will, I will basically imagine what I think the movie might be, and I'll give it some silly version of what the movie I think might be. It will have probably no relevance whatsoever to the actual movie, but might give you a moment of silliness so that's it so our first going in blind segment which i haven't actually put on our findyourfilms.com site yet is a bruce's idea of what this movie cordelia would be and here's a spoiler alert cordelia we're not going to tell you guys i want you to listen to that segment that going in blind segment regarding cordelia and i here's a, here's a little spoiler again it, it might be eric holmes's favorite movie of 2022 is, is that correct eric holmes or am i a little bit inaccurate regarding my target or or my uh assertion assertion assessment uh, we'll, 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 save it ne- we'll save it for next week <laughs> we'll save it, we'll save it for next, next week <laughs> <laughs> i'm putting eric holmes on the stand he sounds like the perfect witness he's just like you're not giving me anything eric holmes and he that's why so he's so sad he's like, no, i'm not giving information it. out of me kappa <laughs> You know, I, I love how you, you didn't fold on your question, Eric Holmes. I really appreciate it. Again, if you want some more entertainment information, our cinematics podcast as well with Anderson Cowan, Find Your Film, all that stuff, go to our findyourfilms.com website. We will be doing a lot more entertainment, A&E, specifically film work on that website. Hit us up as well. Before we get into our reviews, I just want to give a final shout out to a bunch of podcasts. And the aforementioned Andrew Martin with Andrew Watches Movies and also Middle Class Film Class with Peter Beta. And who are the other two? That's Tyler, Tyler Noe and Joseph Navarro. Am I correct, Bruce Berkey, on this? That trio that make up Middle Class Film Class and Jason Kleberg from Force 5 Podcast. All Force 5 Podcast with Jason Kleberg, Middle Class Film Class and Andrew Watches Movies. These are part of our, our buddies. These are our buddies from our Cinematics Facebook group and each of them in their own way, have given a shout out to our respective Find Your Film and Cinematics podcast as well. 
they each each podcast is very distinct and singular. Eric Holmes, I'm blabbing a lot. You wanted to actually say something. Yeah, actually, uh, the, uh, the last episode of Middle Class Film Class, uh, they talked about a movie called I Love You, Now Die. And Peter Beta is like, well, Eric likes courtroom dramas. Maybe he'll check it out. So, Pete, I will check it out. <laughs> I will drop that beat, Pete. <laughs> yes. No, I'm not going to drop the beat yet, Eric. But yeah, oh. definitely Pete's out. Yeah, Pete would drop yeah, court I, beat on this one. Yes, I Love You, okay. Now Die is on HBO Max. So okay. if you want to check it out, check it out. They seem to dig it and it's courtroom shit. So I'll probably dig it too. And what's interesting about Force 5 Podcast is every week, Jason Gleberg has a different guest in the film world or the blogging world or the podcast world. But basically his guest is, they're, they're interesting cinephiles and they both have, they, each of them, Jason and his guest, they tackle a top five topic of the week. Really love that. And Bruce, what do you love about Andrew Watches Movies? I've said ad nauseum why I love Andrew Martin and his podcast. I mean, really, it's the same things that you guys love, too, is that he kind of slides into this very, I wouldn't say confessional, but he just wears his heart on his sleeve. And within one episode, which might be lately, they've been like 20, 30 minutes long. Within one episode, he might change his mind on a movie as he's going. Uh, He might be angry about it and then like, oh, well, maybe I was being too mad and then go back. And I mean... Uh, it's it's really of all of the ones that we we enjoy or have been mentioning on here it's the most it feels the most like you're just hanging out with a person and just literally inside their their you know stream of consciousness as they're tackling various movies so and i loved his passion for movies too whether he loves them or hates them he he does not mince words yeah. Eric Holmes, why can't Find Your Film be as passionate and insular and as introspective as Andrew watches movies and Force 5 podcasts and middle class film class? What is our problem, Eric Holmes? Uh, for huh? one, we hate movies and two, we hate doing podcasts. So oh, what, what can you do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Bruce, do you, do you agree with Eric Holmes' assessment of, <laughs> of the weakness of the FYF podcast? What do you think? I, you know, let's see. He could have a point there. I mean, you, I'll keep saying you're, uh, what are you, a sociopath? That doesn't help either. <laughs> That doesn't help either. Thanks for calling out, calling me out and saying the truth, Bruce Perky. Don't want the truth. But speaking of the truth, can you guys talk about a movie that you saw regarding, you know, it's not our mother, it's not our cousin, it's our father. This is a movie that's currently on Netflix. I didn't have a chance to see it. You guys actually did the yeoman's work to actually check out our father currently now streaming on Netflix. I, I, I'm assuming it's about a guy who, what there's he, for some reason, due to his DNA, he's... He's actually the father of many kids. Bruce, why don't you? I'm going to hand the baton off to you on our father. Yeah. So um, this is, I don't know, I guess Eric's um, opinion on this too. I don't think it's spoiling it to kind of say what the basic concept of this is, because I think that's kind of in there. That's, yeah. That's what brings you in. Yeah. So the idea is that a group of people come to find out that their fertility doctor from the, mostly from the seventies and eighties, instead of finding random donors or donors that, you know, they had in their bank, he has been using his own DNA to father a whole bunch of these people's kids and without letting them know this. And what I found, uh, once again, we can, Eric and I will talk about it. So some of this is pretty expected. You're going to meet the people. You're going to find out how they discover that they have this doctor as their, their father. And also like how they deal with that discovery. And it kind of does, it starts out like, you know, sibling number one. And then as you go through, it'll be like, it'll, it'll roll up sibling number 10 and it'll roll up sibling number 17. So all of that stuff is, is okay. And pretty interesting. 
to some degree. It's it's a little bit kind of expected to. To me, what I found most interesting was the fact that this probably wouldn't exist, what, maybe 10 or 15 years before this, this probably wouldn't happen. Because it's it starts out and it's based on the 23andMe website. And I guess when the person plugged their DNA in there to find out about their heritage and all this stuff, and to see if they had any siblings, because they knew they had been, they had got the the father had the sperm from the father had come from you know anonymous donor. They wanted to see, well, do I have any other siblings out there? And lo and behold, they have a lot of siblings out there, and it just grows and grows and grows from there. So I think that was kind of an interesting aspect to me. And there's some other stuff that I'm not going to talk about that I thought was really interesting, and that is as you start to get into the uncovering the mystery of why this doctor maybe was doing it. And also the ways he tries to stop it from coming out to the public. That stuff I thought was all really interesting, more interesting than kind of the the testimonial side of it. So I would say, oh, and I definitely gave it some points, some points up for not being a miniseries. Yes. It's not a miniseries. It's a single movie. And that alone gave it probably a half star for me. Anyway, I'll, I think it's decent. It's it's pretty solid. If you're interested in it, it's enough to get you keep you going for the whole movie. And it does have a few fun little surprises if you don't know the story. I liked it too. The I kind of wish that it would have, uh, and this is probably just based on who they have access to and who they don't. But the only person that really had the uh, the doctor's side of things was his buddy, who they cut to once in a while. Not not that you know, not to apologize for what he did, but to give a more full breadth of the the stuff that's going on. It, it would have been also cool to uh, do interviews with other uh, what do you call them doctors, I guess, that work in that field. And really get into the ethics of what he did. One of the things they talk about is, oh, yeah, we only use a donor three times because, you know, you don't want to get too many in one area because that could cause problems. You know, brothers and sisters, you know, having sex and marrying each other and they don't know their brother and sister, you know, that that sort of thing. You know, the the ethics of uh, my husband has low sperm count. And I want you to take that and impregnate me with it. And then he doesn't, he uses his own stuff. That That's pretty black and white. The ethics of, uh, I don't care. I just want to get pregnant. I don't have anything else. Might as well use mine. That's like probably a little more on the gray area. Although, I mean, you have one woman that's like, I've been raped for 15 years and had no idea. Like that's, that's kind of, that's. Yeah, that there's there's a lot of uh, ethical questions I was asking myself, but it would have been neat to have professionals in the field come kind of come in and go, this is what you know, this is what our policies are, and this is why, this uh, you know, this is what he did wrong, and this is why, so on and so forth. Um, you know, that, that, I think it would have been a little more complete having you know all sorts of uh, versions of that. Um, as it is, though, I mean. <laughs> It's still a it's still pretty fantastic story, and the fact that it happened, and uh, from what the documentary says, that's this is not an isolated incident. This is not one doctor. You know, there's this happens at other places, which is kind of terrifying if you consider that. And then imagine uh, maybe your parents were uh, donating and uh, met a boyfriend or girlfriend at some point, and who, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yeah, the, the the possibilities of that are pretty chilling. Um, overall, this is this is a pretty good this is a pretty good documentary. It, it's like uh, Talking Heads, but they also do the reenactments. They do a lot of reenactments, so that's kind of fun because it, it looks really good. Uh, it's a little unsolved mysteries at times, but I like unsolved mysteries, so it kind of works. Yeah, this is good stuff. And anyone that likes true crime, this yeah, this should be like a 
home run for you, I, I would think. Okay. So Our Father, the rating for both of you, let's say I'm on Netflix. What ratings would you, Bruce, what would you give Our Father? I'd probably go three and a half. I think it's it's solid. It's a solid documentary. It doesn't like blow my socks off, but it's but it's good. What about you, Eric? I think I'd go four stars. It, it's kind of on the level of Voyeur. Not quite as good. I think Voyeur is a better movie, but this kind of on that, this kind of uh, scratches a similar itch and I liked watching it and I'd probably watch it again. You know, if uh, my sister's like, Hey, this is on. I'm like, Oh, we're watching it. <laughs> Crack a beer. Okay. So cur- currently streaming on Netflix, it came out on May 11th. We are recording this on May 11th. It is our father and both Bruce and Eric recommended Bruce three and a half and Eric four stars for our father speaking of things that eric likes he immediately decided to like pleasure why did you decide to actually give a pleasure a, a almost a favorable almost a favorable review because why because of a certain moniker can you recap the director what why did you love love the the, the movie so much right off the well, bat eric well greg i haven't reviewed this yet um, oh. We're just reviewing it. No, I absolutely did not review anything on cinematics because uh, <laughs> we weren't allowed to, but I can talk about it now. <laughs> uh, yes, Eric, I remember you saw this actually a couple of weeks ago. You saw it, this was one of the only movies you saw right be- even before Bruce, right? Yeah. Regarding, okay. well, I, so I watched, I watched most of it before we recorded cinematics last week. And since we got done, I watched the rest of it. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I kind of want to. I mean, dude, I, I love this movie, but I want to hear what Bruce has to say and oh, kind of yes. hop on there. Okay. So, again, I'm, I am I love this movie so much. I'm like, Bruce fucking hates this goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, this is the movie Pleasure. It's written and directed by Ninja Thyberg. And Ninja is uh, just right off the bat, the name Ninja automatically, you know, Eric Holmes is all about it because he loved the na- the word, the moniker ninja. So obviously there is a bias working regarding pleasure. Regarding biases though, does does the bias even count? Maybe this movie is just good because it's just an awesome movie. Well, it's a very simple story. It's a story of a Swedish girl, maybe in, in her late teens, early twenties, she goes, she moves uh, from Europe all the way to the sunny smog-filled confines of Los Angeles. I'm assuming specifically the San Fernando Valley the porn capital of the world, she wants to become the next big porn star. Okay. So this girl, the Swedish girl, she's calling herself, what is she calling? I believe she's calling herself Bella Cherry. So she heard, and Bella Cherry is played by Sophia Capel or Capel. I don't know how to pronounce I'm going to say Capel or whatever. She's great in this. She is a seemingly a newbie. And here, speaking of newbies, a lot of the actors involved in pleasure, I think most of them are Current porn stars, former porn stars, or people who have worked in the adult entertainment business. So this is a very well-researched movie. Just on a documentary level, Ninja Thyberg did her research. That's a plus. And secondly, this movie is populated with people who've worked in the porn industry. And you're wondering, well, newbie actress in Sophia playing Bella Cherry, and then pretty much the entire ensemble are working from our porn industry veterans. Will this movie work? And for some reason, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And it wasn't because of the sex, which is graphic explicit. There's a there's a point to it. I just I just thought this movie was really well done. And to be honest, I, I thought it was just great performances. And 
I had no complaints. Loved, loved, loved it. We know what you think of it, Eric Holmes. Now the big mystery is, what does Bruce Perky think of pleasure? I, I like it quite a bit. It's, it's, it's pretty darn good. So my first thought was, well, actually, I read a little trivia, which I thought was interesting. I guess originally this was slated to be released by A24 as an R-rated movie. And apparently, I don't know if the directors or who decided, but they said, nope, we can't do this. This needs to be unrated uh, or rated NC-17 or whatever it is currently rated at. So that's why it got picked up by Neon. So I think, first of all, that was a good call. And I think what you're getting at too, Greg, is this This is kind of, um, I mean, it's kind of a classic story, right? You know, uh, the, the, the country bumpkin that comes out to Hollywood to make it big, in this case, it's porn, and doesn't really know what they're in for. You know, that's that's kind of an age-old story. So what makes this different or not different? And I think what makes it different in my eyes is that a big part of this movie is what is it like behind the scenes? Like we start out, almost one of the first things we see is them going through like basically her contract and like, hey, you're agreeing to this, right? Hey, show us, you know, your ID. Okay. And you know, this might happen. Uh Uh-huh. You're right. You're good with that. Cool. You're all right with that. They go through this whole list of stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is different already out of the gate. And then you're like, well, okay, is this going to go explicit or is it not going to go explicit? And then unlike the Northman, (laughs) within what, 15 minutes, we have, we have many dongs. We have so many dongs in this movie. Dongs for days. Dongs for days. Yes. Look out into the sunset. You see nothing but wiener. So all of that being said, I think a big, big giant warning needs to be placed in front of people because if you are at all triggered by explicitness, this is pretty darn explicit. Not It's not fully explicit, but it's right to the edge of that. And if you're at all triggered by non-consensual or somewhat non-consensual scenes being played in a very raw way, this could be really rough for some people. Because there is definitely a whole variety of experiences that she has. And I think, once again, the strength of this movie is that. is showing her on different sets what that set is like. I'm assuming that they're somewhat realistic based on who's involved in this. And I don't know, but I mean, it seems like it is. How different her experiences are, depending on the directors, uh, the male directors versus the female directors, a rough scene versus a not rough scene and her expectations and what happens. Uh, There's a lot going on in here. If I had one negative to it for me, it's just, I wanted more of her character. Like her character to me was a little bit like, and I guess it's kind of to be kind of to be expected. Her character is kind of basic. Like she's there. She thinks she knows what she's getting into and she's ready for it. She doesn't quite know what she's getting into. She's not quite ready for it. I, but I didn't really exactly know where she was at all the way along. And I kind of wanted that. That's what would have tipped it over the great, the greatness to me. Do you think so? You feel like she was too much more, too much of a cipher ultimately? A bit. I mean, I felt like we were just a, a, a slight arm's length away from her. Like we knew some of the th- reasons she was there, but we didn't know how she really felt about it. I think at the end, we we're kind of supposed to see how she's turned a little bit based on what she's experienced. And I understand that, but I kind of wanted to understand her character a little more fully. I didn't feel like I ever was quite let in on her. That is fair. Eric Holmes, I, I'm assuming you might have loved this the most out of all of us. Yeah. Your thoughts on pleasure? Um, actually, kind of the pushback a little bit on what Bruce said. I saw her because um, she wasn't she. Unlike movies like this, she doesn't go out to become a movie star. 
She goes right. out to become a porn star. That's Correct. that's what she, it, it, it wasn't like, oh, I want to be in the movies. And then she fell into porn. She That was her ambition. She wanted to be a porn star. Not only does she want to be a porn right. star, she wants to be the best porn star ever. And so that's kind of where that's kind of um, I think where her character is coming from. And a lot of her ambition is kind of what like, you know, they have the they have that scene where the uh, guys where they're really rough on her. And that's got that kind of gives her a wake up call. And instead of quitting, her character's like, oh, I got to toughen up. I got to get in there and do it again until like, you know, until it becomes like a day job for me, because uh, that's that's what it takes. The It's like the uh, I'm going to be the best basketball player ever. I'm going to be the best wrestler ever. I'm going to be the best. What this is like a sports movie, but the sport is her becoming a porn star. You know, uh, I, I, I had to take that dick. It was rough. It hurt. But you know what? I'm going to get on the horse and, and really give it my all next time. And it, it was such an odd version of this story because it, 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 it's hard. It's a sports story, but it's about porn. And so I, I think, first of all, I didn't know those two. I uh, didn't know those two genres could marry so well together. And then we can't talk about the end, mm-hmm. but the the end goes places because her character actually. I, I, you, okay, you shouldn't say not, anything. You, you know what I, yeah. I'm talking about. I, yeah. I don't need to say anymore. But it, this goes places, and it's the the movie. I could tell the uh, I could tell the movie saying something that mm-hmm. I didn't. I wasn't expecting it to go, and part of me really appreciated that at the time uh part of me was like felt it was a bit of a cop-out and then i thought on it some more i'm like no this that's probably the way you gotta go and that this is just kind of one of those movies like my brain was all over the place on it i think it is a character piece it's a great movie it's really similar to i mentioned boogie nights it's really similar to boogie nights i think uh there's a lot of humor in this that's probably not you know when you have the scenes with the oh yeah so she does a scene at, at back to a uh, uh, Bruce's trigger warning. There's a scene where she basically does a rape scene and, you know, with three guys and it, it's, it's really weird watching that scene, but I think that's going to be tough for some people to watch. Cause they'd be like spitting in her face and jerking off on her and smacking her. And, and it's, it's really rough to watch. And then she starts crying and then cut, stop. Oh, are you okay? And then like, just, just like that, they, they change on a dime and then, uh, Oh, Oh, we can stop whenever you want. And some people mean that some people say that because they need to say that. And that's, that's kind of a, what would you call it? That that's a illuminating kind of uh truth. I think this has to it. The, uh, Oh yeah. You can stop. I, I told her, I told them they could stop whenever they want. And they, they wanted to keep going. It's like, well, did you, did you, you weren't prodding them at all, even a little bit. And so I, but not all of them are like that. There, there are some people that are, uh, you know, they're these, at least on the surface, they seem to be genuine. And th- yeah, this just had, this didn't feel like a movie that had like a, it wasn't, didn't feel like it was trying to be an expose on porn. Right. But it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna let it off the hook either. It, 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 it was uh, pretty much everything I love about Aaron Sorkin. It took all the sides and was completely fair to all of them. And then when you get to the end, you make your decision and a character made a decision and whether that was right for them or not, or who knows, you know, it, it's one of those things that you're going to watch it. And I think different people will come out with a different take on where that character goes. And I don't want to say any more about the end, but it's uh, the ending wasn't immediately satisfying for me, but the more I'm thinking about it, like the more I sit on it, it was like, that's kind of, 
that's kind of the only way you got to do that. Were you guys surprised by just the ensemble cast, how natural they were? I mean, it's a lot of yeah. their job where they're experienced. And I thought that added to the overall quality of the film. The, is that how you guys felt regarding the supporting characters, supporting actors? Yes. Yeah. They, uh, oh, yeah. the, I don't know if they were all porn actors or not, but I mean, they, it, I, it, I a little bit. They almost all seem to be. From what yeah. I'm finding, what yeah. I found, they all pretty much are, except for, yeah, I think almost all of them. Even almost all like, of them are. Yeah. yeah. The, one of the directors, the female director, she's a former porn star, Aiden Star, and her friends are either former or, or retired porn stars as well. Everyone has worked in the industry, and even her friend, her, her black friend, who's really nice to her, he's... I don't even know if he's still working, but he's he's been in the business as well, and he's great in this. He, as far as the comedic element, he he ends up being her a really good friend and trusted uh, sort of advisor along the way to Eric Holmes. Yes. One one thing I want to I mentioned it before, and I want to really stress on this because one of the things I absolutely love about this is that the movie doesn't judge the people for wanting to be in porn, Mm-mm. and the characters don't really give a shit. They're like, "This is what I want," and if anyone tries to give them shit, they're like, "Fuck off." <laughs> this is what I do. Well, and so that that part I I really appreciated that um you know that uh someone can hey I want to be important this is my ambition and that's that's okay. It, if that's something you want to do, uh you shouldn't be judged for that. And granted, you know, stuff happens and she runs into other people that are pieces of shit, but that's not that's not basically in those positions she should be able to do a scene, do a scene with uh other porn actors that are acting professionally. If things get too hot, stop. If, you know, they do everything above board. And I, I shoot. Now that I think of it, maybe that's maybe that's a part. Maybe the maybe the porn industry is inherently prone to. I mean, Hollywood's prone to perverts. I mean, look at our oh, Greg will cut out all the names. <laughs> oh, <I> say, but <laughs> you know the names. Yes. It only it only stands the reason that those kind of people exist in the porn world as well. But I I do like that the I don't think that the movie or a lot of the characters in it judge the people for wanting to be a porn star. And if they did judge them, the characters were confident enough that they were just like fucking kick rocks. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Well, and I think to expand on what you're saying really quick and is the idea is most movies if they present the version of what the porn industry is like. They present it one way or another. They present it as an all of one thing. And the one thing this movie does really, really well, whether you like it or not, or whether you think whatever you think about it, is it doesn't present a single version of the porn industry experience. It gives you, it basically is saying it's like acting or it's like any other job or it's like life in general. There are assholes. There are people that are going to be fair and square with you. There are going to people that are going to look out for you. There are going to people that are going to backstab you. And there are people that are going to use you. I mean, that's just life. And I think that is something I've never quite seen as a presentation of the porn industry in movies like this. I, I think I think also yeah. to put a button on it is when uh, – Let's say you're um, you're working at uh, Burger King. We'll just say you're working at Burger King, and you go there, and uh, your boss is uh, you know sexually harassing you, giving you you know overworking you, underworking you, what whatever it is. Uh, the boss is basically being a dickhead to you. You quit your job at Burger King, and you tell your friends about it, and they usually say, "Oh, what a dickhead! I would have left too." All that happened, all that exact same stuff happens in your porn star. It's like, well, what did you expect? You're doing porn. You know, it, it, it's 
Right. Every everything the same except for the job that the job position that you hold. One one version of it people understand. Another version of it you had coming. You had that coming to you. And I I, I just yeah. I, I just really want to put a button on that because I, I think the movie was really good about not judging the characters in that way. Again, written and directed by Ninja Thyberg. It's Pleasure. Pleasure is headlined by Sophia Capel or Capel or however you pronounce her name. She's excellent in this movie. Co-starring Evelyn Clare. Very good. Dana, Dana Diarmond, Kendra Spade, Jason Toller. All of these are very, very good in this movie. Aiden Starr, aforementioned Aiden Starr. Just a laundry list of porn veterans, and they're all very good in this movie. Also, I want to put a button, Eric, on the fact that this is not an exploitative movie as well, and it doesn't feel salacious, even though the subject matter might be it's deemed graphic, as for sure. It's but graphic, yeah, it's, yeah, it's but it not... doesn't. It's not graphic for lustful or salacious purposes. Mm-hmm. It's graphic because it feels like a documentary at times. They're so. shooting porn. Yeah, it's it's going to show things. And it's it's funny because it's purposely. I mean, God, we're just going on it again. It's purposely. I'm fine with it. We can go on longer if you want. Purposely <laughs> graphic more with the men than it is with the women, which I think is refreshing as well. I don't know why my camera keeps going off, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your camera's in, in and out. So no worries, in and out, no yes. just keeps letting his nip slip. So you yeah, know. there you go. No, so you want to put some tape over there. Anyways, pleasure for me, four and a half stars for pleasure for me. I was thinking four stars, but this is a four and a half star for me. Eric Holmes, what is your rating on pleasure? I, I was going to give this the 6.9, but it seems reductive to say that. So I'll just say five star. Five stars for yeah. for Eric Holmes. But really, this is a 6.9. But <laughs> okay. for this one, I, I can't do it because this movie is so good that I feel that if I do that, I'm playing into the joke. And I I really, I really, really love this movie. Bruce, your rating on pleasure. I will probably go four stars. I wanted a little more from the character, but other than that, it's it's pretty darn good. Speaking of, okay, so again, that is pleasure out in theaters, in select theaters on Friday, May 13th. Speaking of really interesting films, there's a movie called The Innocence, and it's, I'm looking at the IMDb, IMDb plot somewhere. It says, during the bright Nordic summer, a group of children reveal their dark and mysterious powers. Really, that's all you need to know about the innocents. There's four kids, and some of them are playmates, some of them are not. Two of the kids are siblings or sisters. One sister is Bruce. What is she? She's uh, she can't speak. She's a little bit of a mute. Uh, she's a little. She may be on autistic or on the spectrum. On the spectrum, she's exactly. Yeah. Autistic, Eric. Yeah. So she's not really speaking. But as this plot synopsis just uh, um, just hints at, they each have powers, dark and mysterious powers. And this is a little bit of a supernatural thriller, or may, may, mainly based on a maybe a supernatural drama. That is the innocence. I don't know. This is a very slow burn film that I'm wondering if it's going to work for a lot of people. It worked for me. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on The Innocence, directed and written by Eskil Vaught. He is a screenwriter behind The Worst Person in the World. Did The Innocence work for you? Yes. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, this is basically chronicle. It's it's almost exact, you know, uh beat for beat the same story this is but like chronicle with like nine-year-olds or five-year-olds or however they're really young kids in this one and it's just uh the watch uh kids gain superpowers and how kids are ultimately uh you know you wouldn't you wouldn't give a six-year-old a lighter you wouldn't give them a knife why the hell would you give them superpowers that can make them break a tree in half this uh 
this is kind of yeah like you said this is definitely like the uh the indie porn version of chronicle uh it goes very slow but i like the i like the characters in this and if you watch uh chronicle you got dane dehan his character is the one that gets powers and starts turning evil they have that character in this and i think they did a pretty good job of the character not just going full-on evil there was like uh there was some you know the kid definitely has problems uh what bruce mentioned earlier about the animal cruelty this is where that comes from you know the, the six-year-old's killing a well f- what, what are you killing this one like a cat, cat or cat. cat well it started yeah. with like a worm stomp on a worm or someone First stomp worm. on a worm yeah and then moved up that's like that's classic uh serial killer behavior and so obviously like he gets powers and he's uh likes to mess with people and then when he tries to hurt someone, like you get to see, there was that scene where he's like, maybe that's saying too much, but uh, you, you get to see that he understands the weight of what he just did. And he feels bad, or he seems to, for a little bit. Um, th- this kind of, again, yeah, this like Chronicle, I think this deal, this goes more into the character aspect of it than Chronicle did. Whereas Chronicle is the more adventurous type uh adventurous meaning more actiony version of this but hey if you watch them back to back you get the best of both worlds i think well i think the innocence was a very interesting movie again i mentioned the slow burn of it some people will not like it because it gets it's a very methodical slow film but ultimately if you're down with the vibe there are things that happen in this movie that i did not expect regarding character arcs you you think it's going to go one way and it goes completely a different direction regarding redemption and car karma and all that stuff and i was pleasantly surprised at how this movie wrapped up bruce your your thoughts on the innocence i'm pretty much in the same boat as both of you on this um i want to call out well first of all unlike chronicle which they were fairly young but all of the actors in here are very young and they're like 90% of the movie is these four young actors and they do a pretty darn great job considering how much they have to do in this movie and how unusual the roles are. They have to really do a lot with, I wouldn't think that a lot of kids would be up to, up to it and to have four kids that have to yeah. kind of pull the, pull this weight um, is pretty interesting. I definitely saw the Chronicle thing as well, except for, I think there's a key difference in this movie and I don't, I'm not going to talk about the arc exactly, but I'm going to say that what I think is really interesting is you have the two sisters and then you have the outside boy and the outside girl and they both have roles, but it's really the younger sister that is, is the soul to save, I guess you'd say. Because she walks into this movie already on the cruel tip. And the question is, what's going to happen with her? Because before we even meet the other kid, we have her doing some things that are pretty highly questionable. And like, right. wow, wow, that, that that kid's already on a pretty bad path. So I think it's really interesting to watch also how they unveil the types of powers they have and how the powers work and how the powers manifest. I think there's a couple scenes in here. Once again, I'm not going to describe it. There's a couple scenes in here involving parents. I'll put it that way that are really pretty messed up and they go on for quite a while. And when you're watching them, you're like, Oh my God, those are yeah. pretty fucked up. I think for the people this, this movie works for, I think it's going to really work for people. And I think for those who, who can't quite get onto the vibe of it, it might be too much. <laughs> they might be like, I, I can't, I can't do this. This is just so long. And so, and so long and cruel for some people, this might be bad plus bad, but for other people, I think this is going to really, really fit the bill. I just want to point out also, he wrote Thelma, which I brought up about three weeks ago. And you love that one. And I think that you could pair this with Thelma really, really well, seeing the same writer, both dealing with different people in different circumstances in this kind of artist artsy 
art house powers spectrum and he does it in a really interesting way in both movies i quite like it quite a bit i think the scary thing about the innocence is not i'm not a dad like you you bruce but i'm an uncle and i helped raise my my niece and you're an uncle eric just the idea that when kids are a certain age maybe four five six uh, on to maybe eight or nine that you're thinking, oh, they're just playing in a playground and they're having fun. And maybe if they, they have an altercation, maybe they just go off with their own friends. But this really explores the dark world that children face possibly on a daily basis. I, I, I forgot about the, the part until Bruce mentioned the uh, parents and then the uh, parents said, you can come to me whenever, you know, you can come to me anytime. It's like, no, I really can't. <laughs> And, and, that, and that that adds a lot of suspense to a couple of scenes. One scene in particular, where she's looking out the window and then looks over at her mom. It's like, oh shit, because we just yeah. saw her. Oh damn. Yep. And that highlights also the fact that this movie doesn't go for the cheap. Uh, the parents are evil, or the parents are super abusive, and that's what's creating all of this. Because that's not the driving force of this. It's like this internal world, and there might be some effect there, but you're not showing anything to to make you think that all of this is because of. You know, evil, yeah. abusive parents necessarily, and, and in fact, the parents are pretty loving for the most yeah. part, which yeah. is really heartbreaking after one scene. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And yeah. it does really interesting things where something it creates, it builds upon its own lore, which I think is really good. Which slowly builds the rules. So movies like this work when they have rules, and they don't work when they don't have rules. And it kind of builds up the rules. It shows you how things work, and then it adds another element, shows you how things work. So that at some point, when you're seeing a character hit his head against the window, or slowly pound his fist against something, you're starting to go like, uh-oh, I know what's going on here. And it that's really, I think, really cool filmmaking and writing right there. So that is The Innocence. It's in theaters May 13th. I'm giving this movie four stars. Bruce, what about you? I'm going to go four and a half. Uh, it really, I started with four stars, and as I've been thinking about it, I like it more and more. And what about you, Eric? Yeah, same here. I think, I think if, uh, I think if it had more of the action that Chronicle did, this would be a pretty well-rounded, almost perfect version of this kind of story. Or if, or if Chronicle got into the character um, in the suspense the way this movie did, like the, I, I think they're both. I like both movies. I think I like this one a little bit more. Yeah, it it, it just it kind of felt like it was missing that action. If it had that, it'd probably be a five star banger. As it is, I think four and a half is pretty good, right? Yeah, four and a half is very very good. Four and a half for both Eric and Bruce, and four stars for me. That is the Innocence again playing in theaters May thirteenth via IFC Films. That is our roundup. I was going to say, oh, before we before we get into recommendations, I'm going to actually very quickly recommend a movie. Top Gun Maverick. I saw that this week. Your instructor is one of the finest pilots this program has ever produced. His exploits are legendary. What he has to teach you may very well mean the difference between life and death.
reputation precedes you. I have to admit, I wasn't expecting an invitation back. They're called orders, Maverick. This is your captain speaking. Today's exercise is dogfighting. Two versus one? Hey, he's gotta be kidding. <laughs> what the hell? That's one of the reasons why I wasn't able to see Our Father, which is uh, currently streaming on Netflix. Bruce Perky, you were the one. Were you the one who told me, Greg, whatever you do, don't watch these IFC films or neon rated films or don't watch the indies. Just go out and watch Top Gun. Were you the guy who told me to watch Top Gun Maverick, Bruce Perky? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As you were complaining that The Innocence is like two hours long and it's a slow burn, I was like, no, no, no. Spend two hours and 20 minutes watching a Top Gun movie. Absolutely do that. <laughs> oh, then, not, then just that was- top, not just a Top Gun movie, though. <laughs> Directed, I, I knew it was the guy that did Oblivion and Tron Legacy. And only I the forgot Brave. that he yes. also directed Only the Brave, and it's got the same writer as Only the Brave. And he also got Chris McQuarrie co writing. I was like, that, that, that. I found now about that the other day. I was like, oh God, I really need to see this. I and really it stars Miles Teller and Jennifer yeah. Connolly, who starred in Only the Brave. Yes. So they're I, the I, whole. Yeah. I, if you haven't seen Only the Brave, please watch it. That movie's awesome. And Greg does. Or are you allowed to say yes? What does Top Gun Maverick does it get even close to where Top Gun was? I agree. Okay, oh, th- oh no, only the fuck Top Gun. Does it get close to only the Brave? That's oh yeah, I yeah. No, no. Top Gun Maverick. Uh, this is the embargo for Top Gun Maverick is six p.m. on Thursday. We are recording this on a Wednesday evening at six a.m. in the morning. I'm going to release our podcast. Top Gun Maverick for me is a five star banger because right. it hits on all entertainment levels. But it's not just empty ca- empty calories entertainment. It's directed, like you said, by the aforementioned Joseph Kaczynski. With, yeah. And you mentioned his film. Quality filmmaker. And he puts that quality into this grand scale entertainment. There's the training part, which obviously, if you, I'm sure if you've seen Top Gun, that's a hefty part of the narrative. Yes, that training is a hefty part of Top Gun Maverick. You're going to get that. If you want some of the callbacks, like, of course, everyone knows that Ice, played by Val Kilmer, is making an appearance in this movie. That's not a spoiler. We all know he's going to be in Top Gun Maverick. He has a very wonderful sequence and very touching sequence with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, by the way, who previously, we mentioned Oblivion, who pre- who previously worked with Joseph Kaczynski in Oblivion. So one of the great things about Top Gun Maverick, there's a level of continuum with this. It's just that it doesn't seem like a director for hire decided to see if he can do as good of a job as Tony Scott did with Top Gun. No, this is an excellent movie all around. Bruce Perky is wondering, what the heck? This is, yeah, no, this is one of these movies where I never go to theaters. I actually went out in the Los Angeles traffic, and I, I apologize for, for complaining about the slow burn of the innocent 
since ultimately, you know, I, I, I spent several hours, <laughs> you know, out in the public, you know, frigging the public instead of the confines of my own room. I should not be complaining about watching long movies because when I have to face the LA traffic. With all that being said, it was worth the time watching Top Gun Maverick. I'm not going to give any spoilers away. We know that Jennifer Connelly's in it. We know she's probably going to be Tom Cruise's love interest. Miles Teller plays Goose's son. That's not a spoiler. Obviously, Goose's son, Rooster, is going to have some kind of relationship with Maverick. <laughs> you know what? Did Bruce? they play Alice in Chains in this movie at all? <laughs> no, 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 Alice in Chains. Yeah, I mean, was uh, son, was Cock? No, Cock was already taken. They couldn't call him Cock, huh? They had to call him Rooster. Yes. And you know what? Bruce was actually talking about one of the, the characters. I'm going to be Bob. Yes, I'm going to yeah, be Bob. You want, you want to be Bob. There's a character in I'll Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, yeah, weave. Yeah, Eric Holmes will be weave. No, there's a character in this called Bomb, and that actual that moniker is actually discussed about in Top Gun Maverick. I know Eric Holmes. You're going to be seeing this. Will you be seeing Top Gun Maverick when it hits theaters May 27th, opening weekend, with either your family or your friends uh, or both? So 27th on a Friday, because I believe so, so. I think we're going whatever whatever the midnight showing on. Uh, my my friend Chris uh, has like a thing. Uh, like points or whatever. He's like, who wants to go see Top Gun Maverick? Oh, I'll fucking see him. I think my brother's season. So a bunch <laughs> of us are going to go see it, which is, uh, I, I mentioned it to you, but I'll mention it to anyone listening. Usually when I go see a movie in theater, it's like, hey, do you want to watch this uh, indie movie that's uh, playing at midnight and uh, noon? No? Cool. Well, I guess I'll go by myself. And as such, and I'm sure lots of people listening to this can relate, I go to the movie theater a lot by myself. But this will be this will be the first time in a long time that I get to go see a movie with like a bunch of friends, and it's not like a, a Marvel movie. So this is this. Will, I, actually, the last time we did that, I took a, my niece and nephew to see Dune. But before that, no, oh jeez, I, I can't even I can't even remember. Um, want, but but the, this will be this will be a, a fun time at the movies in a different a different experience that I'm used to. So I'm excited for it. Eric Holmes, if you want to if you want to actually hear or actually observe Bruce Perky hold a blood curdling scream in a few seconds, he's gonna hold it for a second because he's gonna hear what I'm gonna say right now. You know what? Top Gun Maverick was so good that by the end of the movie, I was almost chomping onions for some reason. So it got I, to me. I believe it. Almost got me. Got to me emotionally. We're gonna make. <laughs> Bruce is actually ignoring this review. Top Gun Maverick. He's just looking at a blank screen. He's just ignoring everything. We're gonna we're gonna make. Hey, Eric. Can, no, can, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there on opening night when it comes out on Tubi. Oh, unbelievable, <laughs> Eric. What do you think? It's it's you know what, Eric. Let's screw the merch at findyourfilmpodcast.com. People, you don't have to buy the hoodies. You don't have to buy the t-shirts. You don't have to buy the shopping carts. You don't have to buy. You don't have to buy the shower curtains. Eric, let's find your film podcast.com is where you can find our merch. Don't go to that site. Actually, we're launch we're launching some kind of crowdsourcing GoFundMe campaign. We're gonna give like a penny campaign. Let's let's put in at least a uh, thousand pennies so we can buy an admission ticket for Bruce Perky opening weekend of Top Gun Maverick. What say you, Eric Holmes? I wanna get a I wanna get a picture of Bruce, like arms crossed, sitting in a chair at the theater. Just like wearing Top Gun gear, just like <laughs> looking like just completely angry, and then have a uh, a logo at the bottom that says like Bottom Gun. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe I'll just I'll just make force myself to go, so I have to have an, a, an actual informed opinion as opposed to be being just a grumpy old man. 
No, I'm not gonna. Uh, well, Eric, we're not gonna. Eric and I. I'm gonna speak for Eric. I don't think we're gonna force you to to do what you can on your weekend, on your very busy weekend. But if you have time, Bruce Berkey and our fellow wonderful listeners, if you have time for the weekend of May 27th, I highly recommend Top Gun Maverick. I know Eric Holmes will go to the danger zone tonight. I am predicting. I am betting him a quarter that that scary of 61st quarter that he is going to give it a five star or maybe a 6.9 star banger for Top Gun Maverick. Maverick, and I even predict another quarter that Bruce Perky will at least give Top Gun Maverick, much to his dismay, chagrin, and nightmarish <laughs> multiverse world. He might even give it four stars. And I can, and when that day happens, I am going to I am going to sing to the heavens because he has sold out just as much as Greg Trusovasti <laughs> has. Can't wait until that happens. Now. We're going from Top Gun Maverick to actually some recommends. We're not talking about Joseph Kaczynski or Tom Cruise. We're talking about another star of his day, a big star, just an iconic actor. His name is James Caan. One of James Caan's favorite roles and performances. And he's mentioned this time and time again. Well, yeah, he loved Godfather. He loved that. He, I'm sure he's been uh, Francis Ford Coppola, I believe, has in a movie called Rain People. He's been in a lot of, he started in the TV series Las Vegas, which I interviewed him for. He's done a lot of interesting movies. Uh, Kiss Way of the, the Gun. Guy. Way what? Gun. Which one? Way, Way of the, the Gun. gun? Yeah. Christopher Macquarie joint. Since right. We were talking and, about Top Gun. And what about uh, Bottle Rocket? He was great in Bottle Rocket. But was he as great in as this movie called Thief, which as we're recording is currently streaming on Prime Video, Canopy, and Hoopla. It is directed by Michael Mann. James Kahn plays the aforementioned Thief. Speaking of going in blind, you know, Bruce Perky, when he's the problem with Bruce Perky is he's like 5,000 meters ahead of me and Eric Holmes every single week when it comes to watching movies. And while he and I are, while me and Eric are struggling, struggling to catch up, he's saying, you know what? I have all this time in the world. I'm just going to start <laughs> watching movies just, just for the F of it. And one of those movies was Thief. Was it a worthy watch for you, Bruce? Was this a, a choice pick for you? It was. Uh, and this is absolutely one of those movies that, could have been in the box and one of those movies that I've just never seen for whatever reason. Like I've never avoided it. I remember even seeing like Siskel and Ebert talk about it when it came out and how great it was and everything. And I just like, it just always slid by me. So I was, and I saw it pop up on Amazon prime and I'm like, well, I'm going to go check out thief. I was just like you said, I was like, uh, you know, let's check out thief. And, uh, this is like, Ah, this is for me, this is right up towards the top of Michael Mann movies. I mean, I really the love the look of this movie. And what I first of all, we have to guess describe it. James Conn plays as kind of this well, obviously he's a thief, but it starts out with him cracking a safe. He's got this giant drill, it's magnetized to the safe. He's he's got uh Jim Belushi outside as kind of his like tech guy that he communicates with, and he basically drills into the safe and you have this whole sequence. So if you like heist movies, it's got a couple awesome sequences like that. You see him do his first robbery. He gets all these diamonds, uh, and he you see him kind of interacting and how he sells the diamonds. And you find out really quickly that he basically, during the daytime, he's kind of a used car salesman, ex-con. But his real thing is he's this kind of high-end loner, safe-cracking thief kind of dude. And very quickly in this movie, you see him start to get wrapped up in the idea that uh, there's kind of a bigger organized crime element that kind of want to, wants to pull him in and say, hey, you work for us. We'll get you bigger scores. We'll also offer you protection. And hey, you can be more professional than what you're doing now. And that's kind of the, the kickoff, I guess, of a whole bunch of events in this movie. What you got to love about this movie is, first of all, it's got that score. 
It's got score. <laughs> it's got Tangerine Dream score, which is amazing. It has that look of that kind of um, Michael Mann, you know, slickness. And this to me is this weird mix. And I don't know what you guys think about this, but looking at it now, not seeing it at the time, I really get the sense that this is like this crossover period where you're getting this sheen and style of the 80s, but it's on this gritty, weird kind of grungy urban stuff that you get in like that taxi driver era 70s movies and it's kind of where those two cross over so you, it's almost a perfect marriage because you get the grit you don't always get in some of the shiny like 80s movies you know where they sometimes they get a little bit more goofy even though they have all that style but it's got the style but it's also got that grit and it's got all of these players that end up being big big stars or big characters and other Michael Mann and other 80s properties. A whole bunch of people get like their first or one of their first roles in this movie to keep on like, oh, oh that's, uh, what is it? Michael Peterson or whatever it is. It's a Manhunter. And, and there's Dennis Farina. Yeah, there's Dennis Farina as this this thug for a mobster dude in this. And there's a whole bunch of people like that in this movie. There's Robert and Protsky looking very dangerous. Robert Protsky, man, being very dangerous. <laughs> um, and last but not least, there. are I was reading about this movie and um, there's some really interesting stuff in here about they hired a bunch of people in this that were either ex-cops or ex-cons or ex-thiefs. So there's this one guy who's kind of this thuggish cop who's kind of his antagonist throughout this movie. That guy was actually a, a, a longtime thief and they put him in that cop role. And they also do other things where as they talk about in this movie, like every prop in this movie is real. Like everything you see them use is a, it's like a real drill. It's real tools, real guns. It's like real stuff. And there's this thing where there's a big heist towards the end where they use this really interesting and crazy tool to cut into a safe. And that's a real thing. And they're actually using the real thing in that movie. And oh, you talk about that, that long stick thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like stick welding, but like anyway, it's like gets to like nine thousand degrees or something, and it basically cuts through anything, and it's like practically burning everything on the set, and they're just like having to use it. It's just amazing. Eric, when's the last time you saw Thief? I I saw part of it uh, uh, the other day when Bruce said that he was doing this. Uh, Before that, it's probably a couple years ago. Um, I, I this is for me. This is probably like lower tier Michael Mann. But that's like saying it's like a 9 out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10 because I love Michael Mann. Probably the bottom one might be Black Hat. And I still like Black Hat, even though yeah. everyone else hates that. Yeah, th- this is good stuff. You know, I feel like uh, like Heat. This is kind of Heat light almost. <laughs> when he's talking See? to... Uh, I when he's it. talking to when he. I think oh, this is heat oh no, heavy. heat's a mm-hmm. heat's a freaking masterpiece. You know, so yeah, heat's a masterpiece. But Bruce, but, to your uh, point, oh go ahead. Eric. Oh, I, I was gonna say when he's talking with uh, Grandpa Fred from Gremlins too, he's like, "Hey, why don't you come? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you help." He's like, "Maybe I don't need your help. Maybe you know, uh, maybe I got my own life the way I do, the way I want it. You know, I do what I want." It's like, "What do I need you for? Maybe you don't. All right, I'll work with you." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very interesting it, movie, Thief. Yeah, oh, it, it, it has a bunch of really fun, hard-boiled stuff, as pretty much every Michael Mann movie does. And this one's um, and when I again, when I say this is bottom tier Michael Mann for me, that's that's still very, 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 yeah. very. That, that, that's like a six out of nine for anyone else, right? This is a, this is splitting splitting hairs because bottom for you is very good for for everyone else. You know, Bruce, I'm I'm assuming that you love all, most of Michael Mann's films as well. Right, you're pretty much. A, a um, I don't know. I'm kind of bored by a lot of his. Like, oh, I don't really? really. Yeah, Heat for me is a dud. I, I wow. do not like Heat. Okay, <laughs> I remember. Um, 
Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like heat. Public enemies? What about Bruce, public enemies? Bruce, Collateral? your taste is suspect. You know, I heard your that. Your taste is suspect. <laughs> we have Bruce, I, I, I'm glad you like Thief. I like what? Manhunter. I like, is it Collateral? Collateral, yes. Yeah. Yeah. If I were going to go to top three, I'd probably go Manhunter and then maybe this one and then maybe Collateral. We are missing a couple of things regarding our heat. I mean, regarding our thief review. Tuesday Weld, the actress Tuesday mm-hmm. Weld, she plays the uh, a diner waitress who James Conn's thief character. He, he wants to actually romance and wine and dine. And they have a sequence in a coffee shop that is, it seems to be about 15 minutes. It seems. It's awesome. Yeah, it's almost one take, and I I don't mind about spoilers on this one because this is one of my all time favorite scenes in cinema, where Khan is mentioning to her, "Hey, he has a he has he has a sheet, okay, mm-hmm. and it has I'm not going to say what it has. It has different images, and for some reason, he is explaining to Tuesday Weld's character what that sheet is about. If you, I'm sure that sequence." Is copied over and over again in acting oh, classes yeah. regarding as far as scenes. And Tuesday Weld is amazing in that scene. That is, you can take that sequence out of Thief and have have it be its own movie. It could be Tuesday Weld and James Jimmy Khan in a diner for for an hour. I'd watch it. Okay. There's also a scene in a, a adoption agency, which is amazing too. I, yeah. I just want to say, I think the character work is more entertaining. Yeah. I gotta say it. I think it's more entertaining and crackling and weird and interesting yes, and fun than yeah. anything in Heat. Heat yes, for me is much more – Heat is cold. Heat is very – it's uh, something about it just isn't quite it, – it's it's not terrible. I'm, I'm kind of being, <laughs> being <laughs> no, extra, no, no, but, being but, extra but, on it. But it doesn't, the, it doesn't catch me. Like this one, there's something to it. I yeah, there's, there's, definitely, there's definitely a meat to Thief. Again, this is worth oh, – what is your rating, Bruce, on Thief? Uh, I'm four and a half. I mean, it, there's a few things that are kind of dated on it for sure. Um, and the ending, I think to me is if there's any weakness in heat, it's the ending is a little bit pat. It's a little bit. Oh, in Thief. In Thief. Yeah. In okay. Thief. It's a little, un, it's a little unsatisfying, but that's a minor complaint. Everything. That's probably the only thing that keeps it down from a five to me. Okay. And Eric Holmes, from your memory, you recently saw parts of it. Your, your rating on Thief as a lower tier, Michael. Uh, my rating on Thief is probably four and a half. Um, yes. <laughs> He's yeah, right? It doesn't, yeah. yeah, four but, uh, and a half, right? That's a low Michael Mann but, film for you, which is good. Bruce, regarding Thief, you know, you can ball my wife if she wants you to. You can lounge <laughs> around here on her sofa in her ex-husband's dead tech postmodernistic bullshit house if you want to. But you do not get to talk shit on heat on my podcast. <laughs> that is okay. very, very good. Master impression. Which one is the Eric Holmes? I, 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 should I watch better, first? I, should I, I don't watch... want to scream too loud. <laughs> should I watch? Okay, hey, hang on. So, which one should I watch next? Should I rewatch Heat or should I watch? Second Gun. Second. Oh, Second Gun. I think you should watch Second Gun. You should watch Top Gun Maverick and actually say oh. it's correct. You know what? If you watch Top Gun Maverick and you don't like it, you can call it Second Gun your entire review. Okay. Okay. So that is Bruce's recommendation this week. <laughs> He's is- still thinking. Eric is still thinking. He hasn't decided yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is your decision? Oh, Eric. Eric. Oh, yeah. What's that? I will put heat in the box. Okay, put heat in the box. Yes. All right. Okay. All right. Put heat in the box. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I don't want to hear you talk shit on heat. Maybe <laughs> no, I'll no, like no. it this time. Maybe I'll. Yeah. Won't you? Won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I've been doing because then I get to do more heat quotes. <laughs> Shut up, Ralph. 
Sinner! <laughs> that is so, I maybe I should do a rewatch in Heat. I love Heat myself. Love, love that film. Yeah, so any other oh, man, why to get mixed up with that bitch? Cause she's got a great ass. <laughs> and you got your head all the way up it. <laughs> Another line from Heat. Very Dude, good. Can, in I fact, go all day folks, folks, we're not we're gonna stop our Find Your Film podcast. Actually, Eric Holmes is gonna do a one-man <laughs> reading of Heat from Michael Mann. No, he's not. He's actually going to review something in the box with Bruce Perky hmm. before we wrap up our show. But before we wrap up our show, Pete and we do the box, Peter Beta from Middle Class Film Class. I'm gonna take the reins over this time. Pete, my dear friend, can you please drop that beat? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, folks. This what's in the box is sort of a, uh, an apology to, for me to both Bruce and Eric. I was whining and complaining to them like, oh, I got to see so many movies this week. I'm so over overloaded with interviews. So Bruce was nice and he was saying, you know what? We, we, won't, be, we won't have to review our Dean Koontz uh, Dean Koontz, uh, what is it? <laughs> Dean Koontz Wallet Watch thing. Our Dean Koontz Wallet Watch pick was Spring, okay, with Lou Taylor Pucci, I believe. I think he's in that movie. We're going to watch Spring next week. But Bruce, what did you come up to save my week? And what is this movie that you? Well, I uh, I broke the glass and I and I pulled the emergency cord for for the box and uh, did a last minute drawing out of the box and got Corpus Christi which had been suggested by Jim Cummings when he was interviewed awesomely by Mr. Eric Holmes. Eric Holmes, very good on that interview. (laughs) (laughs) And PJ McCabe, yes, and PJ McCabe. Um, Yeah, it's true. And uh, I was like, cool, Corpus Christi. I've been wanting to see that forever. And we searched online and originally thought it wasn't streaming anywhere that I could get to it. And then I found that it is streaming on something I'd never used before called, uh, what was it called? Like Flixy or <laughs> Flix TV or something? Flix? Or no, something? it was one of those weird things. Like okay. Blamo Slamo? <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> Blamo Slamo. Anyway. I, think it, I think it's on Tubi Plex. and Plex. Voodoo. Oh, it was on Plex. Plex. Yeah. Plex. Okay. Plex was like free. Uh, it's playing which, pretty much everywhere, I think. Yeah, and it had ads and stuff. So I was like, this is awesome. I've been hearing about this movie for a while. And in fact, I believe on an older cinematics that yes. uh, Greg and Anderson had talked about this movie. Because I think it either won or was nominated for International Picture of the Year that year. Yeah, it received some critical acclaim. I recommended it to Anderson. And Anderson ended up really loving Corpus Christi. Yeah. yeah he loves that director. Uh, it's it's directed by, is it is it Jan Kamasa? Yeah. Jan yeah, Jan Kamasa. Yeah. I think this came out in 2019. Teen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about two hours long and like i said it's with ads so it probably is not that long when you take the ads away because there's a fair amount of ads but it was still worth watching it um i do want to call out the main actor and i don't know if i can get this right at all it's bart bartos bedenia bedenia okay uh playing daniel and he's the main character in this and he is quite something so the basic concept is this you start out with this young man and he is in like juvie basically like but it's like a juvenile prison because it's pretty rough and he's on at the about to get out and as he gets out you can tell that he's he's kind of been working in the chapel and stuff there and he kind of had kind of wanted to go into the seminary but he's not really ready for that and they send him off to essentially work release and he goes off on his train to go to the small town and work in the sawmill and the idea is that you pretty much that sawmill is full of work release people 
from this from different juvenile facilities and get the idea and as he gets out of the out of the train and goes to walk over to the sawmill he looks at the sawmill and he's like you can tell him like he just doesn't want to do this and he ends up walking over to a nearby church goes inside gets mistaken for clergy but she doesn't really stop people from thinking and slowly but surely becomes the parish priest of the small town and so begins the story and it's a really interesting story. I, I'd be really interested to hear what Eric thinks of this too. It's a very interesting, I, I guess, how do you describe this? I, I think that what you're really getting at with this movie, because you see him struggling with his dishonesty, but also he kind of feels, you can kind of tell he feels that like he is actually doing something good, but then he also is feeling torn because you know that he kind of just a normal guy and he wants to kind of just be a normal guy, but now he's this priest all of a sudden. And uh, it really becomes an interesting discussion, I think, of the difference between organized religion and somebody who's truly called to kind of to help their fellow person and yeah. kind of what that looks like. Uh, and it's a really interesting and it, it sounds like it could be a really heavy movie and it has heavy moments, but it's not a really heavy movie. It's got really light moments. It's got funny moments. It's got tragic moments and it's got kind of a gut punch of an ending too. It's, it's a very interesting movie. And I, I can't imagine people who like, especially who like interesting, just great independent cinema. This is a, an example of one that you should probably check out. Yeah, that's a high benchmark for Corpus Christi. I, I haven't yeah. seen it for about two, three years, but I remember it being very, very powerful and uncompromising at the end, which is very, very cool. Eric Holmes, your memories, or I think you actually recently rewatched it or saw it for yeah. the first time, Corpus Christi. Is yeah. this a rewatch for you? No, this is a watch. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'm assuming um, you were blown away by this, maybe? Yeah, uh, for for the most part. Um, I, I liked how here's a guy, you know, by all intent, for all intents and purposes, he's a bag of shit you know and uh he becomes a priest which you know quite honestly most of those are bags of shit too um but uh i think christopher mccourt or uh christopher hitchens said something along the lines of uh no matter how big of a sh- piece of shit you are all you got to do is uh have the word reverend in front of your name and all of a sudden people give you a give you a, a pass a re- yeah respect or whatever yeah. um on mostly unearned and this guy definitely his respect is unearned uh he did nothing to earn it all you got to do is put on a little color hey i'm i'm a priest oh i guess we got to follow around what you do what's fun is that he um he does help people you know, he makes a turn in his life. And I don't think it's because of God. It starts off, he's um, kind of put on the spot uh, because he didn't want to get found out. But through that, you know, he looks at situations and it's like, this is this is probably the way uh, the way that you would have to do this um, to be ethical, to be right, to be able to sleep at night. And has nothing to do with uh has nothing to do with the religion because as far as i could tell he hardly you know, he had to look this he had to look up how to do mass on his phone <laughs> he had to look up <laughs> yep. how to do confessionals and so and then they start uncovering a bit of a mystery which you'll you know you'll see in the movie and you see that the church could have done something they could have stood up for something uh, they could have done something air quote godly and they chose not to. And here's a, uh, you know, uh, the, the way I saw it, uh, someone that's secular and cheap in priest clothing. And they're the ones that do the right thing. They're the ones that pull it out. They're the ones that uh, put their neck out on the line. Uh, Cause he's 
the entire time he's about to be found out, but uh, you know what? This is the right thing to do. And I'm going to do this. And so I really like that. And then the ending happened and I hated, hated, hated the ending like mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. just, um, and maybe it's, I, I didn't understand what the filmmakers were going for. I think they did. I think I did. I think just what my take on this character was and the filmmakers take, um, we see, I don't know that I see, I, I would see eye to eye with the filmmakers. And so that's probably why I hated this because I think that um, I get the feeling that I'll have to, not, I can't, I, I'll have to spoil parts of the ending, but I think, I think that the filmmakers uh, feel a way about how it should end that I don't, think is earned um mm-hmm. and kind of flies in the face of what at least what i picked up from the movie and it very well could be what i picked up from the movie is completely wrong and um, if that's the case then maybe the ending does work but what i was getting from the ending did not drive at all with what the ending happened that being said the ending as a short like in a vacuum is really awesome I just, I hated it as the ending for this movie, if that makes any sense. Eric, do you feel that people who've seen Corpus Christi, there are some people who will feel the same way you did regarding the ending without giving too much away? I I don't know. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. I I think most people um, probably give a little too much credit to God and religion in this, as they always do. But that's, you know, that's my unique take on this. Um, Eric, I'm just going to say a prayer for you just... Because I'm sure it'll do. I was sure it'll do as much as any thoughts and prayers for you. Thoughts and prayers for you, Eric. No, I'm just kidding. Um, It's funny. No one died ever since people started giving thoughts and prayers. You you notice that? I, I, you know what? Stop it, Eric. You're too good with the courtroom. You're, you're a courtroom expert. I'm not at this. I'm not good at rebuttals. I can't rebut a rebuttal. But anyways, Eric Holmes. Yeah, this is this is a fantastic movie. Okay. Um, but the the the. What I was getting from it didn't drive with the ending. And so for me personally, um, the ending kind of ruined a lot of what I loved about it. But to your point, I don't think this is, I don't think that's going to be the opinion of most people. Your rating on, on uh, Corpus Christi. I would give it 3.5. That's a recommend. Yeah, oh, it, it is. It is. It's a, it's a strong recommend. recommend. No, it's not a strong it's recommend. A, it's a recommend. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it, it's just a, a very weird kind of confluence of events. Otherwise, yes, it probably would have fair. been a five-star movie. Bruce Perky. Very good points raised by Eric Holmes. What is your rating? And th- do you feel? Do you think some people will feel a certain way regarding the ending of Corpus Christi? Because, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one to take I, without giving too much away. I, but I don't know. I actually want to talk with Eric about the ending, so we might have to do that offline for a couple oh, minutes. Oh, very um, good, very good. Because um, I'm not sure. I want to. I want to see his reading because I really want to see his reading. Um, I'm don't, curious. Don't do it on my recording dime, Bruce Parkey. <laughs> Just Eric, drum up your own Zoom thing, okay? Uh, I'm not on my dime, Eric Holmes. But um, I <laughs> no would give thoughts it, and uh, prayers. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, okay Bruce, go ahead. Uh, I like the ending, so I would give it four and a half stars. So four and a half stars, listeners. Here's the most important thing. What did you it, for the for the for hopefully some of you have seen Corpus Christi, or if you remember it, tell us what you think about the ending of Corpus Christi. Are you on Eric's camp or are you on Bruce's camp? Eric Holmes. Has, has I, one final thing to say about Corpus I, Christi. I think uh, I think this is a perfect example of a movie where star ratings are don't really yeah. paint a full picture because like I'm giving it a three point five, but you know it, you look at it, oh three point five, we thought it was okay. No, I thought this movie was brilliant, but just yeah, yeah but, it, 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 it's a but, it's a weird thing about it's a weird thing about star ratings. 
but in fairness, in fairness to your rating, the ending really counts for a lot, though. Like in, you were talking about in a vacuum, but the ending, you, you, yeah. you gotta, you know, and it will gotta, be polarizing. Either, yeah. even if you like it or not, I, I think that it's. I, I've said it this way: it's a strong ending, either good or bad. Yeah. So it will polarize some people. And again, in a vacuum, I love the ending by itself. I just didn't like it attached to the rest of the movie. So okay. here's here's a five star movie, five star ending. But you put them together, and it's like that's like ketchup and peanut butter. I like both of them, but I don't like when you mix them up like that. Podcast listeners, on the weekend of May twenty seventh, here is a warning: Eric Holmes is a little bit like James Con. He's a bit of a thief. He is a film editor thief. So if you're somewhere around Colorado and you're watching the end of Top Gun, and then you see the ending of this movie that you're wondering, it's like Corpus Christi. How did it? What is this? There's there's something going on. It, it might be Eric Holmes somewhere snipping away the ending of Top Gun Maverick, replacing it with the ending of Corpus Christi. What, what are you saying, Eric Holmes? I, I was like, let's see how this ending works in Top. Like I, I really like the ending. I want to attach it to different movies to see if it works better. Yeah, but, be you know, I, I know how Dune. I know how Dune Two ends, but maybe attach the ending at Corpus Christi to the end of Dune One. And Eric Holmes has one mission. He's he's trying to get the the ending of Corpus Christi in our noggin for the rest of our lives. Very very interesting. Bruce no, again. Gremlins Two was a fantastic movie. Oh, put not- that in the Corpus Christi at the end. <laughs> Okay, no. Right now, no more Joe Dante on the show. A lot of Joe Dante. Anyways, you know what? I haven't seen Gremlins too, and i I should uh, I should see that very very soon, yes. sooner than later. Regarding Gremlins too, that's a five star banger for you, right, Eric Holmes? Oh yeah, like, easy. It's, it's not easy. Six point nine, not even close. And Bruce Perky, Gremlins too. When's the last time you saw that movie? Why it's been a long time, but I like it a lot. Oh, you I, like I it a lot. saw Gremlins in the last couple of years, but I haven't seen Gremlins two for probably at least ten or fifteen. I think that's one that ages really well, really well. Okay. And again, thank you guys so much for listening to us on our Fire Film Podcast. There's a reason why you're not seeing Bruce or hearing Bruce shake the box because I'm I'm delinquent in so many things. Our next week, we're going to be doing the Dean Koontz Wallet Watch. We're going to be doing a movie called Spring. Eric Holmes, I believe you've already seen Spring, Eric Holmes. So you're like two weeks ahead. And Bruce Perky, they've already seen Spring. And there's another movie called Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion, which I have actually been delaying since the year 2020. And eventually, I think we're going to... Eric Holmes... Uh, is that the new um, mandate? You think we will stop the podcast if we don't review Citizen? What is Citizen Above? Uh, investigation, investigation of a citizen, citizen Above Suspicion. If we don't review it next week, this show will blow up. What do you think about that, Eric Holmes? What is that? Co- what do you think about that caveat? How about that? I like it. I you like it. it. <laughs> Bruce, can, do you second that emotion? Will we blow up the show if we don't do Citizen Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion? By the way, which Eric Holmes mentioned in our Find Your Film Movie Mainline Universe about a year ago. What do you think? That was longer than that, I think. Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks again, Eric Holmes. About two and a half years, okay? Don't, I'm a liar. Don't, don't, don't tell the truth, Eric Holmes. Yes, Bruce Berkey, what do you think? Do we blow up the show if I, if I don't see it by next week? Uh, just, just splice in the end of Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi, right there. <laughs> there you right go. There. Final thoughts from Eric Holmes. Any final thoughts on your, on your part? Eric Who? Holmes? Who? What are you, a fucking owl? Okay. Um, he quotes. I'm, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna add an, an extra ending for Eric Holmes. If you want to see more of Eric Holmes' work, go to findyourfilmpodcast.com to see our merch, which has our T-shirt, which Eric Holmes I believe is wearing. Are you wearing a Find Your Film T-shirt right now? I am. Oh, Find Your Film. Oh, and it has a logo. How? Mm-hmm. 
And you, did you put it through the wash? Did you put it through the ringer? Does it does is it okay in the wash? What do you think? No, I, I just got it. I just got it the other day. Oh, but okay. um, I, it's the uh, tri blend. I didn't know these were slim fitting, but it uh, makes my uh, beer belly curves look oh, pretty good. nice. So. You, you got the, you're gunned up. Don't worry, you're gunned up. And you and how's that hoodie? You gotta find your film hoodie. Mm-hmm. How's that working? And yeah. you you washed it, and, and the logo is still up. intact. Yeah. Holding up, holding okay. up pretty good. Uh, Bruce Perky, have you ordered any oh, merch from our merch store? <laughs> yes, sir. Did you order the chopping cart? What? Also, yes, sir. What? I also put a fun one. Uh, uh, what did you? Yes, yes. Uh, with Bruce Perky on it. Why do I feel there's a heat one coming up soon? <laughs> I, I, think, I think there is. There, it, it'll be me and Bruce sitting across the table from each other going, it's good. Fuck you. It sucks. <laughs> yes. Listeners, you don't even have to go to – you can go to findyourfilmpodcast.com to check out our merch. You don't even have to buy our merch. You can just fi- find every single week. Eric Holmes will have a very cheeky, different uh, part of merch, which you can actually look at and laugh. You don't have to buy. You can just look at it and laugh. It's really, really funny. The latest one you should check out. It has Bruce Perky's visage in, in the logo. I'm not going to say what what who, what his face is combined with because, well, it's you're going to have box. to see it. <laughs> it's in the box. <laughs> my it's... wife laughed very, very loudly when she saw it. <laughs> there, are, there may be pins on the shirt. All right, folks. Finally, Bruce Perky, final thoughts regarding anything. Listen to next week's show or we'll set. Tell- Tear your soul apart. See you guys.